Thank you so, so much, Adele. Good morning, beautiful girls. Morning, beautiful daughters of God. So maybe some of you are wondering why this voice is so sexy. Because the Lord is always good. But before I get ahead of myself, I just want to honor Adele and the entire leadership of Cornerstone for just, you know, affording us this honor, this privilege of just standing, just to share the word of the Lord with you. I tell you, I'm not the best preacher in town, but it is the favor of the Lord. That is why I'm standing here. And what an honor, what a privilege just to share the podium with my mom in the Lord. Lynn, you've been so gracious. You've been praying for me, walking with me. And some of the things that I'm going to say, um, I know I got those from you. And I know you would say, no, 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 because you are that humble. And I love you for that. But I just want to thank the Lord for the beautiful relationship that we have. It's not about color, but it's about the work of the Lord. And, and we love you. You know, sometimes when you see people saying, she's my mother they don't even know where they are coming from I know where you're coming from I know where you sleep I slept where you slept I ate your food that's how connected we are and I am thankful to the Lord for that amen and I just want to thank the girls that came with me from Hope Restoration Ministries Victoria's girls please stand wherever you are shout out to you amen so we are the bride of Christ. Before I get there, I said this, that, you know, I'm standing here not because I'm the best preacher in town, not in the city, not in the village, not in whatever family that I come from, but it is because I told myself I'm not going to keep quiet. I'm not going to sit and warm the seat at church whilst there's so much that the Lord has called us to do. Actually, it was in 2009 when I had a thyroid lump and I went to see a surgeon whom I didn't know that he was not qualified to operate on me. And he said, you've got a lump on your thyroid and we need to take it out. And it didn't take me through the process that he was going to, you know, go through. He just said, we're taking it out. And in my, you know, layman's mind, I was thinking they take the growth out and I'm okay. It was after the, 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 the surgery, when I woke up, I realized that I couldn't speak. I lost my speaking voice. All that could come out then was just air. And mind you, at that particular time, we were blessed with twins who, were just, who had just turned a year old who needed mommy to teach them, you know, to do some things, who needed to hear mommy's voice, and I just lost that voice. And the enemy thought he was done with me. I was so depressed to a point where they said, if you do not go through the process of, 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 of recovery, you are going to lose your life. But God being God, then I was, we were actually pastoring, Chris and I were pastoring a church in Clodkop, Campton Park, like you've heard, and we had a woman's ministry. And I was supposed to say something to the women, but now I had lost my voice, and they would continue, would continue to have conferences, and I would be there just a silent pastor 
of the congregation because I, I lost my voice for two full years. It was not easy. I thank God that Chris and I are still married. Thank you, Lynn, for, you know, going uh, uh, the, 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 the extra mile and walking that extra mile with us even when we were struggling in our marriage because how then do you continue to enjoy mar marriage when you marry to someone who's struggling like I was? But God being God, I decided in one of the conferences, you know, I did a number of intermediary operations just to assist me to speak and they failed. But it was during this one time when I was praying, the Lord said, Pindi, you are going to speak in this Victoria's conference. Actually, it was just a woman's conference then. And then I decided to stand and preach. And God being God, I said something. And, and the voice came out. I don't sound as good as I used to, but praise God that I, I'm, I'm able to say something. So as soon as the Lord restored my voice, I decided I'm just going to stand with the message that the Lord has given me just to tell you that you are victorious. Regardless of what the enemy has been trying to tell you, you are victorious. You are not fighting for victory like I said in the magazine, but you are fighting from a point of victory. For your victory is guaranteed. So I am standing here as victorious Pindi and I want to tell you the God that we serve doesn't show partiality. As he has done it for me, he will do it for you. So, so let's start with a bride in waiting. I just wanted to give you that background so that you can give me an amen and knowing and understanding where I am coming from. Amen. A bride in waiting. I am excited that we're not talking about a wife in waiting. Because what a bride, you know what I like about brides? Brides, they are forever preparing themselves for a wedding feast. Unlike wives, wives have settled down. You see, brides, brides are mindful of what they are doing, what they are eating, and how they are carrying themselves. Because they are preparing for the day of the feast. Whereas wives... They just, you know, good that finally I have arrived. And they just eat anything, they just say anything, and they just walk anyhow, and they carry themselves anyhow because they have arrived. So this morning we're not talking about a wife in waiting, but we are talking about a bride in waiting. Someone who's intentionally preparing herself for that big day, for you want everyone to focus on you as a pretty and a delightful bride. So waiting, what is waiting? I know some of us, we refer to waiting as pausing, stopping, or doing nothing. But can I just bring another side of waiting? Because biblical waiting is not inactivity, but a sustained, a constant effort of staying focused on Christ, our groom. Staying focused on Christ, our betrothed. May you understand that you are here because of him. And all that you do should be focused 
on him and centered around him. And waiting also means in the making. I'm not sure about you. I know some of you have, you know, have been married for a while. When I was preparing for my marriage, Chris or the wedding celebration, Chris was not so involved in, in preparing or making me ready for that particular celebration. Not with Christ. When we say you are in the making, the bride in the making, Christ, our groom, he's the one who thoroughly prepares you daily for the big day through his word and through his spirit. As much as you are waiting for his return, but he is working in you and on you so that when he appears, you may be his delight as his bride. And waiting also means hoping, trusting, and anticipating, which means we continue to trust in him, our betrothed, as we anticipate his return. The truth is, he is coming back. And we want to be that bride that is ready for him. And I want us to quickly read from the book of James chapter 5, from verse 7 to 11 in the message translation. It says, meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. And I want us to underline or highlight the, word, wait, the words wait patiently for his arrival. You see, farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. Friends, do not complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be launched against you, you know. The judge is standing just around the corner. Take the old prophet as your mentors. They put up with anything. They went through everything and never once quit. All the time honoring God. They put up with anything, went through everything, and never once quit all the time honoring God. And that's the prayer of my heart, that as we wait for him, as we go through the storms, as we go through the challenges, we may stay strong, stay steady, and stay courageous until his return, and never quit on God, and never quit on this journey of faith. And it continues, it says, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. That means you and I, you've, been, you've heard, of course, of job staying power. And you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. This morning, the enemy is busy whispering to some of us to say he doesn't care. But I am here to tell you, God cares. He cares right down to the last detail. Some of us, we don't even have hairline because of the abuse that we have done, you know, to our hair. 
And this morning, God cares about your hairline as well. The Bible says the hairs on your head are numbered. It means God knows how many of those that have fell down. That's why he cares right to the last detail. That's how intimate he is. Girls, I know some of us, we are so concerned about those things. And God is equally concerned. Amen. So this morning, I want us, I don't want to take, you know, the whole day to just encourage you. But I want us to ask and, and answer this question. As our betrothed Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, how do we properly wait for his return? How then do we wait and prepare ourselves that when he comes, he can be delighted that his bride is ready? And maybe you can ask where and how do we wait as his bride? Okay, let me answer that question or those questions. The first thing we need to do, we need to wait in communion. You wait in relationship. You wait in intimacy. You wait in fellowship. And I want us to appreciate the fact that our bridegroom Christ wants us to have intimacy with him like Linda rightfully say, said. We have to wait in worship while we wait we worship him. We praise him. When was the last time in the trials and the tribulations that you are faced with, when was the last time you went into your closet? Not to tell him about your struggles. That is well and good. You are not wrong in doing that. But just to have that time of intimacy with him. To say, Father, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for salvation. You know, there are some people who don't understand the gift of salvation, and you and I do. That's why we need to worship him and thank him for the gift of salvation. There are some people who do not understand why they are on earth, and the Lord has revealed the purposes over our lives. That is why we need to worship him. You know, there are people who couldn't even wake up this morning, but you and I woke up. You know why? Because it's been that good. So you just have to enter into his courts, enter into his gates with praise and worship, just to say, I love you. I love you because of who you are, not only because of what you continue to do for me. So you wait in communion with him. You wait in prayer and you wait in his word. You just sit there and you just indulge from his word. You just hear him speak to you even through his word. You pray unto him and then you're giving time to speak to you as well. Some of us, we're thinking prayer is about, Father, please bless me, bless me in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then you go. But if you have communion, if you have fellowship, you can't be the only one who's talking. Sometimes you need to give your partner in fellowship time to speak to you as well, to respond to whatever you have said, just to sit and just fall in love with Jesus and just have that time, you know, of, of, of calm, with him to say it's not about anyone it's not about the children the husband the dog the cats 
It's about you and me, Lord. Speak to me. For I want to fall in love with you, you know, over and over again. So you wait in communion with Christ. May we understand that you can never fulfill your God-given purpose if you do not wait and remain in him. It is only when we are in him that we become fruitful, like Linda said. You can never be fruitful. You can never mature as a child of God, as a woman of God, as a daughter of God, unless you remain in him. That is why the Bible says, remain in me as I also remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's well and good that we are waiting for him to come back. But some of us, we are so independently waiting for him. Waiting for him apart from him. It's no wonder we are not even fruitful in our households. We're not even maturing in our marriages. We're not even maturing as parents. You can never do that which God expects you to do if you are not in communion with him. If you are not connected to Christ himself. So remain in him. People will come and they will try to move you. Own that place where you are standing. The Bible says, understand that we are not fighting flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places. Therefore, you need to stand, take your ground, and having done all to stand and tell yourself, I'm going to remain in Christ, even when at times he doesn't make sense, the things that he allows in my life. I'm going to stand and remain in him. Not only do we wait in communion with Christ, but we also wait in relationship with other Christians, fellow believers. I've seen some people saying, you know, this COVID actually taught me that I can do life on my own. You are not called for isolation. You are called for community. You are called for fellowship. You can never do life by yourself. Actually, you'll fail to fulfill your purposes by yourself. That is why you need some of us. I know I may not be your cup of tea, but you need me to progress and I need you to progress. That is why we would continually speak about the importance of unity, the importance of the bride of Christ. You are not the only one who's the member of the bride. All of us, we form, we complete the, the, the bride of Christ. That is why we need to fight for unity. Sometimes we need to forget being petty. Some of us, we are too petty for the purposes that God has for, for us. And sometimes you just need to overlook some things. There are some fights that are not for you. Some of the fights you're not called to fight, please. You know, there are those of us who have some stuff and we've come from a number of issues and things. And then we'll come with our things and our issues just trying to distract you from your walk of faith. Tell yourself, that's not my fight because you know who the enemy is. I am not 
your enemy. You are not my enemy. We are supposed to wait in communion. I remember a few years ago, 2006, the Lord blessed us with a beautiful son. We rejoiced. I remember we called Drem and Lynn to say, the Lord has been so faithful. It was on the 25th of August, 2006, that the Lord has blessed us with a son after we got, you know, the two daughters, the firstborn and the secondborn. We rejoice, and unfortunately, he was born prematurely, and the doctor, my goodness, you know the doctors, do we have any doctor in this place? I've suffered so much in the hands of the doctors, my goodness. I just want to, to appreciate you and just, and, and just release love towards you and mercy and grace, even if you didn't raise your hand. But unfortunately, that doctor tempered with his leg, and unfortunately, they had to amputate his leg on day three. As if that was not enough, on day four, we were told that they were giving him meds that were trying to thin the clots. Unfortunately, it tempered with the, the meds tempered with his brain, and on the fifth day, he died. Wow. To say we were devastated would be an understatement. But praise God for the family of faith. Praise God for my brothers and sisters who rallied around us during that time. You know, some of them, they couldn't even pray for us. But all that they asked us, can we give you, bring you something to eat? What can we do? Can we run errands for you? Because they knew then that we couldn't do what we were supposed to do as parents. Some of the ladies, they even took care of my daughters. Because for two months, I couldn't take care of my children. So I'm asking you, if you think you can wait in isolation, who is going to be there for you? And what I've realized is that some of us, yes, we want people to be there for us, but who are you there for? Who are you encouraging when they are discouraged? Who are you praying for when they can't pray for themselves? Because the truth is, yes, Christ is preparing us, but sometimes he's well able to comfort and hug us through our brothers and sisters whom he has given as our family within the household of faith. So you cannot wait in isolation. The Bible says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. Let us spare one another unto love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encouraging one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I believe his day of his, his return is drawing near indeed. Therefore, we need to be intentional in how we encourage others, in how we motivate others, in how we spare others to love and good works, reminding each other to say, remember, he is coming. Soon and very soon, he's coming back for his bride. And let's continue to do the good works so that when he appears, we celebrate. For the Bible says, we shall be like him. And I believe we just need to continue to do that as a household of faith, encouraging each other. So we wait in communion. The second thing, we wait patiently. The truth is, waiting is, is the most challenging thing in this faith walk. 
I'm yet to meet someone who enjoys waiting. <laughs> when people are late, it's like, I actually, I enjoyed myself. Thank you for that. Thank you. Hey, how did you know I needed that extra time just to sit and do nothing? Thank you so much. The truth is, much of life is spent waiting. This earth, this world, is actually a waiting room where some of us, you know, all of us, we constantly wait for things to happen. In fact, this is the land of the waiting. The land of the living, but it is the land of the waiting. Just for an example, you wait to get a, a marriage proposal. Some of us, we are right there. And I pray, may the Lord hasten that. May someone come and see you. Your Boaz is coming in the name of Jesus. Please just hang in there. Wait patiently for your Boaz. We wait, some of us, to conceive a child and to give birth to same. Have you been pregnant? And you feel, I can't take it anymore. Lord, may they come with the twins. That was my prayer. May they come now. May they come now. I can't take this. The waiting has been too long. At the doctor's office. You know, if there, there are people who think they own us, are doctors and lawyers. They think they own our time. They think, they think we can just wait for them. Have you been there? You're waiting and you, you know, my appointment was 11 on top and now it's 5 to 12 and no one is saying anything. They're saying the doctor is busy. As if you're not busy with your own life. <laughs> Just to prove that none of us like waiting. Eh? <laughs> waiting in traffic. <laughs> Some of us, the way how we are so impatient the things that we do, the sign language. You even ask yourself, is this person saved? I can't make those sign language. When you are upset that someone has cut you and all of you were waiting in that traffic. We see you. And please repent, repent. The Lord is here. And we wait to get paid. Some of us is the third today and we can't wait for month end. <laughs> We wait for the harvest to come and we wait for our prayers to be answered. That's a difficult one, eh? And though we, we wait in this waiting room, in the land of the waiting, many of us are horrible waiters. It's not like, you know, just because I've been waiting, now I'm used to waiting, now I can wait better. The more you wait, it's like the more irritable you get. Actually, have you noticed that time goes so slow when you are waiting? It's like, you know, it's like the clock ticks every five minutes, not every second. For some reason, just because you are waiting. It's no wonder James, the apostle, he implores us to consider the farmers. And he says, you see, farmers, they do this all the time waiting for their valuable crops to mature. Please don't go, don't dig that ground and take out the seed because you are tired of waiting. May you allow that seed to grow, to germinate, so that it may bring forth a harvest. So don't temper 
with the seed because you cannot wait for the harvest. They are patiently letting the rain do its slow. Just, just highlight the word slow. Why not fast, fast, but, you know, show work? No, slow, but show work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. As if that was not enough, the apostle Peter also warns us about the mockers, those who are going to challenge our waiting in the Lord. And then they would say, he says to them, most importantly, I want, you to, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They would say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Eh? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But he continues to say, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. May we understand that some of us, or the reason why some of us are still waiting for his return is because he's giving us an opportunity to do better. An opportunity to repent before him. And he's giving others an opportunity to be saved. So if you are here, you just came for this conference and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is the day of your salvation. If we want to hasten his coming, you just need to open up and say, Father, I receive the Lord Jesus in my heart as my Lord and Savior. And then you'll be saved and would know that soon and very soon he is coming. And those mockers, they'll be surprised and they would weep and cry to say they didn't capitalize on the opportunity and the time that he has given them to repent and be saved as well. The third thing that we need to do, don't worry, I'm drawing to a close. We need to wait watchfully. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be alert. Understand. See what is happening around you. You know, there are some people today, they're not even aware that COVID hit us. That's how oblivious they are to life. It's like COVID, woo. But this morning I'm saying, may we not be found wanting when the Lord appears. May it be that we, we saw, we read the scriptures, we saw the prophecies, we saw that indeed his coming was drawing near because we were vigilant, because we were aware of our surroundings, because we could see even the havoc that the enemy is trying to cause in our land because he knows his days are numbered. So be alert. Do not be fearful of what the enemy is trying to do, but understand the times. Be able to read the times to say when the clock is like this, it means very soon he's coming back. That's what I am praying for this morning, for the church of Jesus Christ to awake, to arise from your slumber, to arise from your sleep and understand that soon and very soon Christ is coming back. And you won't be surprised like the world. But as his bride, you would say, I saw the signs. I saw it. 
And that is why he is here. And you are well able to rejoice with him at his appearance. You see, this world, not only is it uh, the land of the waiting, but also a fallen world. You know, sometimes we live in this world as if it's a perfect world. And sometimes we get so surprised when some things are happening in our lives. That is why even after the doctor who made a mistake when it came to our son, and our son had to go to be with the Lord, we understood that it was not her fault. That is why we had to release forgiveness. It was painful. She asked, I remember the, 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 the superintendent of the, the hospital coming to us to say, I would support you. She made a mistake. You can sue her. But we decided we are just going to walk in love and show her the love of Christ and release forgiveness even when it was not easy. Everything was screaming in my, in my, in my body to say, vengeance. She cannot just go scot-free like that. She deserves to be punished. But for some reason, the Spirit of the Lord said, mercy. Release mercy. Release that, you know, river of mercy towards her. And that's what we did. And God being faithful. You know, when you understand that though you walk and you live in this fallen world, the battle is the Lord's. You know, there are some things that you need to tell yourself, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to, to, to try to, to, to break even and do whatever. But all that I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on the Lord. It was two years later when I was told that I'm supposed to take out my womb that we decided, doctor, let's go back and seek the face of the Lord. My husband and I, we went back and we said, now that you are struggling, 2006, we lost the son. And ever since, I looked pregnant. I was so, we were not married uh, when it comes to, you know, sexual matters. We were married like brother and sister because he couldn't touch me. When he touched me, everything was so. So for two years, we stayed like that. And then I decided, my honey, you cannot suffer like this. Let's rather take it out. And after prayer, we decided, okay, let's go. We went back to the doctor and said, we are okay. We can go ahead, just do the checkups, and afterwards, we'll just remove the womb because I cannot continue like this. God being God, he started. The doctor, he checked, you know, he using the sauna just to check what was happening. And he said, I see double trouble. <laughs> so me being a Lokshin girl, I didn't even understand what he was talking about. He said, don't, because he looked at me and he, I was like, poker face, like. And he said, didn't you hear me, mommy? You are expecting twins. <laughs> this God of ours can. I don't care what the enemy has told you. Some of you, they've given you a prognosis to say this is how you're going to be. Can we learn to stand upon his word and say, Father, you have said in thy word and I believe it, I claim it, I stand upon it. And can I say this as much as I would want to take credit to say I have prayed for those boys. Those boys were actually given to me. I lost the son and the Lord gave me Double for our trouble. So 
I know, I know Pastor Adele that, you know, in the white culture, in the white culture, we don't pay lobola. So my boys this year are 14. So I'm thinking maybe they would want to get married when they are 25. So if we can just, just try to work some things, you know, and talk about your girls, especially that, the ones that don't take lobola, please. If your household doesn't take lobola, I've got my boys available. If you've got a daughter that is 12 years, can we talk after the service so that at least, you know, we can start with the negotiations and, and just finish and seal everything. And then we know when they are 25, then we have the wedding feast in the name of Jesus. In that light note, I was just saying to you girls, our God is mighty. Our God is a deliverer. Our God is a warrior. Our God is a man of war. And the Bible declares, the Egyptians that you see standing before you, you shall see no more because God is going to take care of them. The mountain that is standing before you, it shall be moved because God is as powerful and awesome like that. Let's begin to be alert and understand that yes, we are living in the fallen world, but our God is in charge. As much as the enemy will constantly try to distract us, he would constantly try to, to steal things from us. He would steal, he would try to destroy things from us. He would kill some things in our lives. We should never give up on God. Let's hold on to our God. Let's never quit this race. Let's never quit this fight of faith. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This morning, I am charging you, resist him. Standing firm in the faith. People, they even look at you, they say, do you understand what this means? Stage three cancer, stage four cancer. And you say, I'm standing firm in the faith. Do you understand this, that it is impossible for you to give birth to children? You tell yourself, I'm standing faith. Strong in the faith. And I'm looking at the Sarah. And I'm saying if God did that for Sarah, he would do it for me. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know the, same, the sad thing about this enemy, Satan, the devil. He's run out of tricks. I'm telling you. What you're going through, it's not unique to you. Please don't specialize that problem. Please, don't, don't, don't try to, to make it sound, you know, so that's what we do sometimes. But can I tell you, your problem is common. Your other sisters have gone through it and they've conquered. And you are going to conquer. Stand firm in the faith and say, I'm going to resist him. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered. Will he himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast? We are not exonerated as the bride of Christ from life's trials. But when the going gets tough, we stand firm upon his promises. We stand firm upon his weight. And we stand and we declare, the Lord is with us. Therefore, we will not quit. But now thus says the Lord, Isaiah 43, 1 to 2. He who created you, 
I want to change you, you to change that Jacob and put your name. But now says the Lord, he who created you. And I'm intrigued to say he didn't say, oh, Israel. You remember Linda told us that his name was changed. Not only is he our, the God of our strengths, but he's the God of our weaknesses as well. He says, oh, Jacob. And there I have put, oh, PND, who, who have formed you, oh, Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We are his. We, we are his. That is why he, he takes interest in you. That is why he fights for you. I, I'm talking to mothers here. Do, do, do we have mothers? Some of our children are bullied at school and Christian as we are, loving Jesus like we are. Sometimes we feel, my boy, go for them. Punch them back. Sometimes you feel, I need to go there and say, hey, hey, hey. Why are you doing this to my child? Because this is mine. This is my child. This is my baby. You can't just bully my baby. That's how God feels about you. And the reason why he continues to fight for you is because you are his daughter. You are his. And when you pass through the waters, he's not intimidated by the seas. He's not intimidated by the storms. He says, when you go through those things, I am there with you. He's not even intimidated by the fire. Actually, the Bible says he's the consuming fire. Before fire was, he was. He created that fire. That is why he's well able to contain even the power and the danger of the fire so that you are well able to pass through. And after you've come through, you don't even have a stench because he's the consuming fire. And he says, I would be with you in the waters. I would be with you through the rivers. They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Because this God is that awesome. Let's go to the last one. And then I sit down. You wait in purity. Wait in holiness. I know these days, the church of Jesus, we're trying to, to be seeker sensitive. It's like, come as you are and remain as you are. God loves all of us. No, no, no. Come as you are. But allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Repent of your sins so that they can be progress and we may advance the kingdom. Come as you are. But if there is any wicked way in you, may the Lord open your eyes to it so that you can repent of it. Do not give in to your former last, lustful desires of the flesh. Do not conform to worldly ways. Be chaste as the bride of Christ without any spot or blemish. Be set apart and walk in obedient faith. Let's be set apart. We can never bring the difference that we want to see in the world unless we are different from the world. And we talk about holiness and we talk about purity. We cannot be sin practitioners within this sinful world whilst we want to change it. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we sin at times, but we repent. We do not make a practice of sinning. We're not sin practitioners. So be prepared or so prepare your minds for action. This is Peter saying to the church and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you do. 
You must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. That is why we clothe in white apparel this morning because we wanted to signify the purity and the holiness of the bride that Christ is coming back for. Be a faithful bride who keeps herself pure for her bridegroom. We should not commit adultery with the world whilst we are waiting for our groom to return. We need to be chaste. We need to be pure. We need to be holy. Maintain your pure and sincere devotion to him. Set your affections on nothing else but Christ. And can I just go to the last one? I thought this was the last one. Can I just wrap up with this one? Ask us, you know, you know, pastors, pastors, actually, I'm about to wrap up. So this is my fifth uh, uh, wrapping up and then we'll, we'll get to one. So when I say as we draw to a close, just give me 30 minutes, okay? So the last one. The last one, but five, the five that's still coming. Wait in service. We need to be servants in the house. You know, it, 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 it pains me to see how many of us, even within the church of Jesus, who understood that our bridegroom came to serve, not to be served. And yet we want to be served. We want to be serviced. We even get offended if they don't serve us because we do not want to serve others. And I'm praying this morning that may we wait in service. May we wait as his servants, understanding that when he comes, he would find us busy with his business, the business of the kingdom, serving those who cannot help themselves. You know, we promote the love of God to others, especially the unsaved. The Bible says, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represent the good deeds of God's holy people. Are we preparing for his appearance by just making sure that we have a, 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 a linen, a gown on the day? Because it says it's the deeds of his children. And if we don't do good deeds, that means there is no gown for us. There is no linen for us to wear on that day. Therefore, we need to make sure wherever you are, wherever the Lord has placed you in your sphere of influence, make sure you serve. You are known as a servant because the Lord has called us to do that. We need to help the weak and the pure. And the poor. The Bible says, in everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, this is Paul, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to serve than to be saved. Be a worker of good works wherever you are. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and begin to glorify your Father in heaven. I'm looking forward to the day where people are going to look at you and say, there's something different about you. you can, can you take me through what's keeping you like this? And you are well able to share the gospel. You know, sometimes we want to push the gospel down people's throat because we don't live the life 
and people they're not even interested in the Christ that we have. But I'm saying let's begin to do good works to a point where people, they come and they want to know what makes you like this. And you are well able to share the love of God with them. We need to make disciples and rescue the lost. We are made to make, to, 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 to fish. We are made to fish and we are commissioned to go. The Bible says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Can we stand? <laughs>